0: This is Jason Hansen, pastor of Anchor Church. Thank you for jumping on to our sermon podcast. My prayer is that as you listen to this sermon, you're encouraged in your walk with Jesus and that you live for him in all of life. Enjoy this sermon now. Open your Bibles, if you would, to First Peter chapter 2. We are in a series called In a Strange Land. As a matter of fact, the text that we have today is really a shift in Peter's letter. He, he talks early on about gospel reality and truth. He really spent a lot of time talking about what it means um, to to trust in the Lord. He talks about things like our hope is undefiled, it's unfading, it's kept in heaven for us. The beginning. And then he he talks about how it it looks to live a holy life and what that might look like. We've been spending a lot of time in chapter 2 about that. Today's a shift because now, starting with today's passage and after, he, he makes a little bit of a change to talk about very specifically, not generally, what it looks like for us as Christians, strangers here in this world, to live differently. What does it look like very specifically? This is a little bit of a shift in the letter. And as I was thinking about this, um, and and this text that we're in, we're gonna be in verses 11 and 12 this morning, um, I I was thinking back to um, elementary school and junior high, and some of you are maybe in junior high right now, Maybe you've been through junior high. Here was my overarching thought that I think I've carried into a lot of my life. Here's, here's what it is. Let me, you know, tell me if you can relate to this. My thought in junior high was, um, Lord, please let me blend in and not stand out. I don't want to stand out. I don't want to be anything different than just somebody who's here that nobody really notices because junior high is a rough, like if, you, if you've been in junior high, you know, it is a rough place to be. Of all the grades, you know, I I taught high school for a while, and someone was like, hey, would you want to take an eighth grade job? I was like, nope, I do not want to teach in junior high. It is a rough place to be, right? I don't want to teach in junior high. Junior high is rough. I just wanted to blend in. I didn't want to be a standout. I didn't want to be something different. I wanted to be somebody that just blended in. And I think this has carried over into my life. Like when I go and I'm spending some time in, um, you know, places. We were just in New York not too long ago. I, I like to go into the city and not look like a tourist you know, like you can see tourists a mile away. I just want to blend in. I'm not looking to stand out. I'm not looking to be anything but just somebody in the city, hanging out, getting a cup of coffee at the local coffee shop. Hopefully, nobody knows that I'm just a visitor and I can just come in and blend in. That's kind of my whole thought process. It's kind of, it's kind of, you know, informed my life. And maybe that's you guys are the same way. Maybe you guys have a thought where it's just like I want to be of someone that blends in. I think one of the places that we can actually um, subconsciously, I don't think whether we do this intentionally, one of the places that I think all of us are tempted in this culture to do this in is Christianity and culture. We, we like, I think we like to be those who just kind of exist in the culture, get by, we go to church, we do the things that we do. Um, you know, if, it, if we live for Jesus, that's fine, but as long as we just get through it and blend in, and not look super different, because we don't want to stand out, uh, I think we're we're, we're fine. And one of the ways that I think I would point to you is, you know, how often have you gone to your neighbor and been like, I'm a Christian, let me tell you about Jesus. We we don't often, I mean, some of us do that, Um, it's hard to do that, but if we we do that, we realize there's a risk, because we're like, we're standing out, it's a little different, we just kind of want to be normal, we want life to be normal and get through it. The question is, is this what it means to be a stranger here? It's just fully blending in, like nobody, nobody knows, you know, we're just kind of waiting for our time to see Jesus face-to-face, and we go through life, and we get through it, and that's kind of it. Is that what the Bible calls us to as strangers here? Is that what, is that what Jesus calls us to be? Just blending in, getting through, passing by. Nobody sees us. Nobody knows us. We're fine. Or is there more? And the big idea this morning for us is is to this end. It's how we live shows who we serve. How we live shows who we serve. Because if we serve a, a, a king that's of this world, then we should look like this world. But if we serve a king of a different world then I think we're going to look like the king from the different world. It's going to demonstrate who we serve. Maybe, maybe a better question is, who are you living for? Who am I living for? If I'm living for myself, then it doesn't really matter. If I'm living f- uh, for the approval of people, then it doesn't really matter. If I'm living to not be noticed, then I think we're going to look like the people around us. If I'm living for a king... Who calls me to something, then I think it's going to affect how I walk out my day. Amen? Amen. And we need to to think through this and process through this. I think Peter's going to help us here. Uh, The question that I would have for us as we go through this and as we answer this uh, or look at the big idea is this, does it actually matter? Christian, does it actually matter that you think about, I'm going to live differently, I don't want to blend in. Does that, at the end of the day, really matter? Because we're going to see Jesus. You know, you're a Christian. We, we go through life, and we're going to see him, and, you know, I mean, we'll get there. I mean, after all, God's sovereign, so does it really matter? Because he's going to do what he's going to do anyway. So maybe we just live our lives, blend in, get through. Not a lot of problems. Nobody sees us, and that's it. Does it matter for you? And does it matter for me that I take this seriously, that how we live shows who we serve? That's the question I want to answer. Does it matter? And I think what we're going to see is, "Mm mm-hmm, that's the passive way of saying, yeah, absolutely. It really does. Yes, it matters, and we're going to see why. I'm going to read the text. I'm going to read it uh, beginning in chapter 2, verse 1. I'm going to read all the way through verse 12 to make sure we set our context. And then if you're new here, this is what we do. I'm just going to break the text down a little bit help us understand it, figure out how we can live it out. What, what does it mean to, to live this out? What does that look like for us? And so we're going we're gonna to begin here, we'll finish, and then we'll sing a little bit more at the end. This is the word of the Lord to us this morning. This is God's word to us from 1 Peter chapter 2. By the way, if you don't have a Bible, maybe you came without one, you can just take your phone. You can go on the, 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 um, your app store. There's something called YouVersion. It's just a free Bible. We're going to be using the English Standard Version this morning. You can follow along with us. First Peter chapter 2. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander, like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up to salvation if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, a living stone, rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, Like I said, this this shift in this letter, we're going to see it really clearly the next number of weeks that he's very specific on what it looks like to live in light of him. And we, we just read this text. We've been here the last number of weeks. We see a change that God has worked in the people that did not know him to change by his mercy those people into the people of God through the death and the resurrection of Jesus that we find, Christian, that we have been given mercy, shown mercy, by Jesus, the cornerstone, who at one point, and if you're not a Christian in here, maybe this is you this morning, at one point you, even now, you, you stumble over him. You hear us talk about Jesus and you think, oh, that's, that's, you know, that's not true, or there's no way somebody could ra- be risen from the dead. These people are just worshiping something that's, that's ridiculous. It's a stumbling block, and he talks about that here. But for those of us that have trusted in him and that believe in him, at one point we stumbled over him too, but now we recognize that he is the only way for salvation and we find hope that we need it in him. And it's by his mercy that we find that, it's by his grace. And my prayer, if you're not a Christian this morning, that by this, in this sermon, somehow the spirit of God is at work in you to change that in you, to have eyes to see and ears to hear. Maybe you are wondering about hope and you find it in him. I'm praying that that's the case this morning that God would do that in you. And Peter, he, he gets to this place. He's about to talk about what it means to live specifically here. What does it mean, Christian, for you to live here? Remember our big idea, how we live shows who we serve. Yeah. And he's saying, what does it look like here? And he begins with this word, beloved. It's kind of archaic. Really, in our, I mean, maybe in our language, what he's saying is, dear friends that I love, I beg you. This is what he's saying. Dear friends, those, those that I love as those in the church, I, wanna, I am strongly begging you to do something. I'm, I am now, I've given you realities, and now I am begging you as my friends to change. And this is an apostle. This is, this is the word of the Lord to us through Peter. And he says, I beg you as those uh, who I love he says in verse 11, as sojourners and exiles, let me stop. As sojourners and exiles, meaning as somebody passing through. Maybe, maybe we could say, you know, as it, right now, the talk, we have Ukrainian refugees flooding into different places. You know, we have refugees coming. Maybe it's just the idea of somebody just in a place that's not their home, in a place that's not their own, in a place that comes and they're trying to figure it all out. They're looking, maybe they look different, they, they speak differently, there's something unique, they're just, they're sojourning, they're, they're passing through, they don't belong there. He, he's saying, you friends that I love as the ones that are passing through, this is not your ultimate home, this is not where you belong, Christian. In this world is not where you belong. I beg you as this person. Now, Peter, we haven't talked much about this. Peter, let's just go back and talk about Peter for a second. Because if there's anybody that would have understood, I think, what it felt like to be an exile, a sojourner, one that didn't belong, I think it's Peter. Here's Peter. He was a fisherman. If you know your Bibles, there's this guy named Peter. If you don't, he was somebody that was a fisherman. Jesus meets calls him to follow him, he does, he believes everything Jesus is saying, which is actually shifting a little bit and changing what they would have have believed all along a little bit, because he believed that he was the promised Messiah, and the the Judaism of the day didn't believe that. And so Peter actually, he risks everything in some ways to, to believe something different, and he's now following Jesus. And then Jesus gets to the point of being crucified, and Peter says, I don't know him, he doesn't want to stand out he wants to blend in he doesn't want to look different he doesn't want to come alongside him and 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 jesus dies and peter weeps and then jesus comes and finds him and he restores him and and here peter is in jerusalem we see an Acts, and the church grows to three thousand people immediately so think about it peter following the person of jesus who he denied not that long ago in the shadow of the temple, with the people who killed Jesus, walking by the temple constantly, constantly leading this group of people to trust in the Lord, to walk with him. Yet these other group of people here don't like him at all. They want the church to go away. They don't like it. And Peter, I can only imagine as he would walk through Jerusalem, he'd be remembering, man, I used to worship there. I used to I used to think that 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 was what it was. I remember walking with Jesus here, and now I'm here alone. Jesus went up to heaven. The Spirit's with me. The church is built. I'm trying to pastor this church in the shadow of the temple that I once used to worship in. Where does Peter feel comfortable? Where is he feeling like, yeah, I belong here? He didn't belong there. I think he feels it. I am a sojourner. I'm an exile. I I exist in this world, but I don't know where I fit here. And he he says, friends, I beg you as sojourners. Maybe he would say as fellow sojourners, fellow exiles, strangers in a strange land. I beg you to do two things. Essentially, he's saying to live and serve a different king. He says it negatively first. He says, I beg you to abstain from the passions of the flesh. To abstain from the passions of the flesh. Now, this is a a strange sentence. What does that even mean? Here's what it means. We, as Christians, there's this passions that we once were enslaved to before we knew Jesus. We lived in this world. It's a physical world. We lived here. All the things that we used to do, the Bible calls it sin. It's a churchy word, small churchy word. This is what it means, that we just made our own rules. We did whatever we wanted to do. God says, do this, and we we're like, I don't think so. I'm going to do whatever I want to do. I don't need to follow you. I don't need to listen to you. I'm going to break your rules. I'm going to make my own rules. That's what sin is. It's rule-breaking and rule-making. And he says, this is, this is what it means. I, I want you to, to take the passions of the flesh, anger. I mean, there's, the Bible's filled with uh, lists, anger. Bitterness, sexual immorality, um, you know, all sorts of things. The things that you think about that are like, that was not kind, that was not right. Envy, jealousy, rage, theft, stealing, coveting, anything else. All of that are passions of the flesh. And, and it, we, read, we know from Paul that, that he, he has this theology that we understand and we believe that one time we were enslaved to it. We were chained to it. And in the death of Jesus in the resurrection, he broke the chains and he brought us and said, Now you belong to me by my spirit. So you have this passions of the flesh, this sin that bubbles out of us every day. And he's saying, Abstain from that. Abstain. Leave it. Leave it alone. Don't have anything to do with it. And, and just as a side note, let me push the pause button for one second. I think sometimes we can think things like, well, you know, it's not that big of a deal. Do I really need to give that much attention to him? I'm going to live my life and go for it. Peter says, yeah, it is. Because those things are not just passive. Those things have waged war against your soul. Waged war against you. Imagine in in Russia and Ukraine, we have this situation. We all know it. Russia invades Ukraine. And what would have happened if Ukraine had just been like, you know what, I don't... Like, they waged war. I don't think it's that big of a deal. I'm just going to, whatever, do what you need to do. And they had come in and taken over the whole thing. At some point, they'd be like, ah, you know, it is what it is. They didn't do that. They said, no, I am going to stand up against this and push you out. I am fighting. There is a war coming at me, and I'm trying to push it out. Peter's saying, when the waging war of your flesh comes in, abstain from it. Push it out. Resist it. Live differently. Look, you live not not in this world as a king, as a um, citizen of this world, but you live as a citizen of a different kingdom. So abstain from the passions of this one. This one stands against you. And not just a negative way to say it, just stand against this, but also, also as you think about it, be honorable, he says. Make your conduct honorable. It's two ways of saying the same thing. Leave this alone and do this instead. This is like me uh, realizing I, I, have a, I have a problem. Um, I, can't, I can't always digest di- dairy at this point. You know what that means for me? When, when ice cream comes into my house, man, it's tough because I'm like, I really like ice cream. Like I, what kind is it? Chocolate chip cookie dough. Oh, man, that's Good, you know, like I really want it. I know it's going to kill my stomach later. I'm going to feel awful. But I'm like, should I eat it? Probably. (laughs) You know, like I should probably just go for this, man. Chocolate chip cookie dough. Who can resist? Who can abstain from it? I mean, give me something with pecans. And I'm like, nah, I don't need it. Chocolate chip cookie dough, though, man, that is the jam, right? I need it. But you know what's good for me? Abstain from this. Doesn't wage war against my soul. It wages war against my stomach. I feel awful for like four hours. Don't do this. You know, what? I'm going to actually, instead of this, I'm going to go and eat this instead. Peter's saying that the, the things that are sinful in you, Christian, they actually stand against you. They, they push against you, they make you blend in. Like, you want to blend in? Then just by all means, give in, give in to the passions of the flesh. You're going to look like everybody else who are you serving? Who's your king? Say, no, no, abstain from these things and have your conduct among the Gentiles. Look what he says in verse 12. Honorable. Keep them honorable, your conduct. This is like putting off something and putting off the passions of the flesh and putting on honorable conduct, which, which really what, what, those, what those words mean is... Uh, Honorable means good and noble and praiseworthy. Conduct. Look like Jesus. Stop looking like the world and look more like Jesus. This is what he's saying. You need to stop doing this and do this. I used to watch Mr. Rogers. Anybody watch Mr. Rogers in here? He has a good old Mr. Rogers. There's been a bunch of documentaries about the guy, right? We hear this, Mr. Rogers. I love love Mr. Rogers. I don't think my kids get it. You know, because it's really slow now. It's like that fast-paced. But I love Mr. Rogers. And every day, every day, He comes in, takes off his jacket, hangs it up, grabs another one, a new one, and he puts it on. Peter's saying every day you wake up, take off, abstain from the passions of the flesh. Take it off, hang it up, go and find honorable conduct, what the Lord will call you to, and put it on. You wake up tomorrow, take off the the passions of the flesh. Take out. The honorable conduct and put it on. Wednesday, take it off, put it on. Thursday, take it off, put it on. He's saying, abstain from it. Put on honorable conduct. The question is, why? Is it just because we're supposed to? Church, listen, is it just because we're supposed to? Well, the Bible says it. I guess we should do it. That's it. Look, if it's if it's just because it's a rule that we're supposed to do. It's a box that we're supposed to check. But let me just say this, man, we are going to fail at this. Because you know what happens with, with, with checklists sometimes? We forget to check them. And then we're like, when was the last time I checked the checkbox? Oh man, it's been like a couple weeks. Because you know why the motivation's all wrong? Motivation is just to check a box. Why? Why are we supposed to put off and abstain from the things that are sinful? And put on the things that are honorable. What's the point? There's a lot of points the Bible gives us. It could be to to make sure that we are giving maximum glory to Jesus Christ who died for us. Peter could have said that. And it would have been true. It could have been because man, we want to be those that we gather together and encourage one another every day to be holy. Holiness just means looking more like Jesus. to, To grow that way. And it would be true. But Peter doesn't go there. Look what Peter says. I love this. I love this, that he says this. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable. Take off these other things. Stop looking like the world. Put on the things that look like Jesus, your king, so that, so this is it. This is the reason why, so that when they, the Gentiles, the, the people in the world, they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds, meaning they may see your difference. They may see how you act differently and look differently and you, you have this different air about you that you're not going out and they, they, they speak against you as evildoers and you go back and you speak against them. They shoot an arrow, a verbal arrow at you and you shoot four back. He's saying, no, don't be that way. Listen, when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and ultimately may glorify God on the day that he visits you. This is, this is the purpose that Peter's calling us to. We say, I want to make sure I'm serving Jesus and I'm looking like him and I'm putting off these things that make me look like the world. I'm not just blending in, but I'm different. I'm different in a way that makes me holistically different so that the love that I have for people bubbles out, the light that shines out of me, which is the spirit of God, people see so that even if they speak against me as evildoers, I'm not reacting to that on Twitter or whatever other social media platform we're on and we look like jerks for Jesus, Peter's saying, no, no, that's not the way that it works. Your, your good deeds and your honorableness comes out so that when people speak against you, they might see all of that and at some point go, why are they different? Not, hmm, they look just like me. I just blend it in. You're a Christian? Oh, okay. Well, you blend it in, like, that's fine. Cool. This must be the same, like we must be the same here. He's saying, when they speak against you as evildoers, when they disagree with something that you say, something that you believe, the God that you worship, when they look at you and they're like, you guys are idiots. Because Jesus, that, I mean, hes just he, I don't even think he was a real guy. And you're worshiping him? To even be risen from the dead, that doesn't even happen. And they stand against you and when they call you an idiot, they see your good deeds in the community. They see your good deeds towards them. They see your good response. They see that you still love them. They They see that you're still for them. They see that you're still preaching a gospel of grace, that you're not reacting to that. And may it be that as they see it, and as you speak with them, they begin saying, what is it about you that's different? Because there's something different about you. You don't blend in. What is happening here? Who are you? And you get to say, I serve a king. Huh. I serve a king that is not of this world. I serve a king who exists outside of this world, who has given me hope, and he can give you hope. And he says, may it be that as they see that, and they see your good deeds; they also may glorify God as those who trust in Him on the day that He comes back. In other words, they might become Christians too. Does it matter, Church? What's at stake here? Now, this isn't a rule, right? This is like functions a little bit like a Proverbs. This is a this is a Peter's not saying, "Hey, if you do this, they're definitely going to become Christians." What he's saying is, some will. Some will. Church, it matters. How we live shows to each other, shows to um, the watching world who we serve. And this will mean that we don't get to blend in. We don't get to just be like the the Homer Simpson GIF or GIF or whichever one you say. Is it a hard G or a soft G? I don't know. But whatever, That Homer Simpson one where he just slowly fades back into the shrubs. You ever see that one? People send it around. He's like big eyes and he just fades and all of a sudden disappears. It's what we kind of want to do sometimes. But, but the Bible says No. Because the world is is a certain way, and we've been brought out of that world to abstain from the things of this world, to be honorable like the king that we serve, so that people in this world might look at us and say, something's different, and I want what they have. Look, you know what my fear is sometimes as the church? I'm just going to be honest. Here's my fear, especially in our American culture these days, especially in our tribe sometimes, is that we can view the church in our lives as if we are a fortress it's impenetrable. We build a moat, we build a really high wall, we have archers at the very top that are trying to shoot people that are trying to get in. People that might say, hey, I think you're wrong, and we're like, stay away, get out of here, we don't like you, Get you know, you can't come in here. People that are sinners, we go, no, nah, you're gonna defile the church, we gotta stand up strong against this, the community, man, they, we just need to be making sure that we're keeping that stuff out of the church, Those people got to stay out. They can't come in these doors. I think Peter would say, yeah, the church actually is a city on a hill. It's a beacon of light. It is a lighthouse. Why does Jesus say, come to me if you are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest? Why does Jesus go to the prostitutes and the tax collectors? Why is Jesus saying, look, come to me? Why does he have dinner with them? Why is his, I mean, there. There's so much that we have to grasp. I think Peter's getting at the fact that part of what we need to be is a beacon of light in the community. As somebody that says, look, do we we disagree with this or that about how you're living? Yes, because the Bible says differently. But you know what? Here's what we want you to know. There is hope in the Savior we worship that can be yours. And as I live my life, I want to live my life with the proclamation of the gospel on my lips. It's good news for the weary. And I want to make sure that I'm doing that in such a way that people see it, they know it, and they might believe it. Church, we we have to make sure that we are living as sojourners, as strangers in a strange land. That's why we're calling this series In a Strange Land, because we are called to be strangers here. Not just those that come in and assimilate, strangers here, exiles and sojourners. We're passing through, and as we pass through, may it be that that the the king that we serve, Jesus the king, is is so embodied by who we are and what we do that people can't help but notice. Let us not be blending in. Here's two ways that we can live this out. Two ways that we can live this out. The first is this a question question. Do those in your community see you and know you as a sojourner in exile? Do they see you and know you as a stranger here? By by how you live, by what you say, by the gospel you preach, by the Jesus you talk about? Do they recognize that? Or are are they just seeing you as someone that just blends in? Like, ah, they're just like us. Nothing really different. Nothing unique here. Nothing to see. Just like us. It's a question for you. And I'm talking about the world. The world is, is, a, is a place of brokenness and darkness. And the church, one of the purposes is to be a light, a city on a hill that cannot be hidden or shaken. To the people in your community, your local Starbucks that you always go to, your neighborhoods, your sports teams, your workplace, do they recognize something different about you as an exile and as a stranger? And if not, I would just ask the question, why not? Why not? Because how you live shows who you serve. You've got to ask that question. I can't answer that for you. That's, that's between you and the Lord. But you've got to ask that question. You've got to answer that question. And then we've got to take steps to, to make it known that, look, we, we serve a different king. First, the first point for you. The second one is this. I'm going to have Julie and the band come up here as we get ready to close. It's just simply this. Live as a beacon of light and not a fortress. Live as a beacon of light and not a fortress. So that people might come to you and say, I, I look, I need that light. What is the hope here? I'm not just pushing people out. I want people in. One of our values, we have four of them. One of our values is to be relentlessly outward. Relentlessly outward, so that we don't just simply close in on ourselves like a fortress, but we look outside and say, how can I be relentlessly outward in the community so that they might know who Jesus is? How do I think this way? We talk about this maybe in one of the ways, one of the phrases that we've used is, how do, what does it mean to live on mission? What does that look like, to, to live our lives on mission for Jesus? And one of the things that, that we talked about, um, this is a lot of times, pre-COVID, because during COVID, we couldn't talk to anybody, except unless we were on Zoom, which who likes that right now, right? So, but one of the questions that we asked is, or one of the thoughts that we had as we talked about living on mission, is it means living our lives in the areas that we are in with Jesus and people in our minds all the time. As I go out into the community, Jesus, man, he died for me. He's working. I know he's at work. And people, people need to hear, who is it? Who is God putting in my life? With Jesus and people, that's what it means to live on mission. It's one of the ways that we can be relentlessly outward. Let me ask a question of you that I've asked a lot lot before. Let me ask it again. Who's your one? And what I mean by that is, who's the person that God's put in your life that you're like, I want to be a beacon of light to this one. I want want this one to know Jesus. I'm praying and I'm, I'm living my life differently. I'm not blending in. I want this one. At least this one, Lord. Do something here. Who is that? Not as, a, not as a, just a project, but as somebody that you realize is made in God's image, who needs the hope that you have, who needs to hear the good news that you can proclaim. Who is that in, in you? And if you're not a Christian here, let me just tell you the good news. Here it is. In your life, as you're living your life day to day, maybe you're blending in, maybe you just want to be, I'm just going to do whatever I want to do in your life. You, there will be a time. Maybe it's right now. Actually, I don't know. I don't know where you're at coming in that you thought to yourself, there has to be more. I you know, maybe you, maybe you had a job and you made a ton of money and you're like, it didn't really make me happy. You had relationships. They failed. And that didn't make me happy. There has to be more. What is the more? Where is it? Maybe you put your head um, on your pillow at night and you just think of all the shame of your life and you think, is this all there is? And let me tell you, there is more. And the more is Jesus Christ. And maybe you've heard about him and you've wondered, ah, can he really do anything for me? And I would say, you cannot out-sin or outlive the grace that he offers you. There's nothing that you can do that will separate you from him if you trust in him so the offer's there. Believe. Trust. Believe. Believe that he, if you think, can he help me? I would say he can help you. Let me give you confidence. He can help you. He can do a work in you. Do you believe? Do you have questions about that? We're going to have people come pray afterwards, and I'd love for you to come on up and ask some of those questions, because I don't want you leaving here without knowing there is hope in the gospel, which is the good news of Jesus. Find it, believe it, know it. I beg you, as Peter did it, beloved friends, I beg you, believe the gospel. And church, as we leave, as we get ready to sing here, and we'll take communion in a second, if you haven't gotten your cup, you can go do so during the song. But as we, as we close, remember, how, how we live, how you live, shows to, to those in the church and to the people outside the church who it is that you serve. Who's your king? Who are you serving? What does that look like for you? Let me pray for us, and then we'll we'll sing a little bit, and then we'll take communion together. Our Lord, our uh, our confidence and our hope this morning. I pray that it would be in you, Lord. No, none of the none of the living differently stuff, which we want to do, none of that saves us. We're we're saved already as Christians. We we find our hope in you. Our life lived to put away these things and to put on these other things, the honorable living, is is because we, we do trust you and we know you and I pray that the motivation for that would be because of what you have done for us. May we live for you. Lord, help us to do that. Lord, help us to see that it is an implication of what you've done, why we live differently. Lord, and may it be, Lord, may it be that as we leave here, and we go out into our community, as we go out into our neighborhood, our workplace, or school, our mom's groups, our um, lunches, whatever it is, as we go out into that community, that you would uh, help some of the reality of this passage to hit us. And may we see also some of the fruit that Peter talks about. That as people, maybe they speak against us, not as jerks for Jesus, but as those who just are different, we live differently. They might see it, and they may glorify you when you come again. May that be the case. May you do that. Would you answer that prayer? Lord, help us to see you moving up close. We, we love to see you move. We love to see you work all over this city But we pray that we would be be able to be a part of watching you do that, Lord. Give us wisdom to know how to continue to march forward towards that, and would you give us fruit in the in the work, Lord, for your glory and your name? I pray. Amen. Amen. I really hope that you were encouraged by the sermon today. You can learn more about us at anchorchurchgilbert.com. We'd love to have you join our mailing list. You can do that on the website. If you have any questions for us about who Jesus is, please let us know through our website. I hope that you were encouraged.